0: Welcome everybody to Creekside Church. Um, we're glad you're here, and it's kind of a special day around here. Uh, obviously, it's the Sunday before Thanksgiving, and it's also um, a chance for the the youth music team here to lead in worship. So we're going to do that this morning. We're excited to to be here with you. As we as we kind of been working on our songs and thinking about this Sunday, um, a theme has kind of emerged, and that theme has been um, following, just to follow Christ. And so I just want to read a couple of. A couple of things about that. So in, in the, the book of Luke, Jesus said, uh, If anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. And there's a lot of sacrifice involved in following Christ. But I think the theme of today that we need to think about is it's worth it. Um, there's, a, there's a poem, and I don't know who wrote it. But it's, um, it's something that I think is, is pretty powerful. And it's very simple. It says, I heard him call, come follow. That was all. My gold grew dim, my soul went after him. Who would not follow if they heard him call? You think about the, the treasure that he is. And so, so that's what I want to be thinking of as we sing this first song. If you'd stand up and join us as we sing, it's called I Will Follow. this song, and just a reminder, you know, we get a lot of negative comments, a lot of negative influences, a lot of negative voices in our lives, and I think especially about our young people. Um, they're told how they should look, how they should dress, how they should act, what they should say, and the, the culture and society is very, is very strong influence, and um, there are a lot of lies that they, they hear every day about who they are. And this song is about who we are in, in God's eyes, who he says we are. I keep fighting.
1: you praise team and worship team on behalf of the creekside family i just want to welcome you here if you are here as a guest and this is your very first time at creekside church on the bulletin there is an additional flap there that has information that you could give us if you want to we'd appreciate if you'd fill that out and uh, tear it off and then just put it in the little uh, offering pouches as they're passed a little later in the service i just want to bring your attention to a a couple of announcements actually a more than a couple. There's a correction to the uh, offering that was given. Actually the offering amount that's listed in the bulletin should be about double that because we had a special missions offering last Sunday and so unfortunately it just didn't all get reported so I apologize about that. Uh, Every year since World War I, uh, Creekside Church or some form of Creekside Church has had a turkey bowl which is the guys get together and play football on Thanksgiving morning. If you're interested in that event, Please contact Rod Clarkson right down here. Wave your hand, Rod, so that everybody knows as soon as possible, okay? He's heard a lot of cancellations, so we wanna make sure uh, that you notify him as soon as possible if you're gonna be here Thanksgiving morning for the Turkey Bowl. Uh, Bev Shelton, 90th birthday. Congratulations, Bev. Yes. Bev is having a party for anyone who wants to join her from 2 to 4 p.m. this afternoon at the Urbandale Golf and Country Club, which is just straight north on 86th Street, just past Douglas, on the west side of the road. That's the left side if you're going north, okay, for, for people from the, from the city who don't know north, south, east, and west. Sorry, I'm just saying north, and east, and west. All right, uh, baptism. We're having a baptism on December 2nd. So if you've never been baptized, you would consider being baptized, please talk to me or contact Megan at the church office. We have a little application to fill out. We're having an instruction time a week from today, immediately after this service, okay? So a little short instruction time. Also, the last thing I want to call to your attention is that on the 2nd of December, we'll also begin our Christmas series of sermons we're going to do a little special christmas thing leading up to uh, involving christmas and we have a christmas eve service planned for christmas eve at 5 30 here at the church and then we're going to have a little special services every sunday up to and through that sunday or that monday night i guess it is monday night is christmas eve so uh, appreciate that all right i'm going to call up the haiti team go ahead shoot ryan are you the guy on the spot right now where's ryan at Ryan, come on, let's get on with it, buddy. You're the man. So, Ryan is taking it away with the Haiti team presentation.
2: so the first way that you can help and everyone can do this is that you can pray and we felt your prayers um while we were there the fact that the spirit was moving was very obvious to us when especially when you look back and um As you know, there was an earthquake in Haiti two days after we got back. The timing is pretty significant to me, so I think your prayers sort of preserved us while we were down there. The next thing you can do is contribute stuff to give out. So I think there was a picture in here that I'm skipping because of time, but there's a table full of crayons and paper and stickers and little disposable um, lick-and-stick tattoos that Anne and Colette, who stayed an extra week, were able to pass out. But just... Little things like that we, that we can hand out when we're on walks that um, really brighten a kid's day or even adults' days. Then, while we were down there, we handed out some dresses or gave some dresses to Many Hands for Haiti from the Dress-A-Girl Foundation, which um, is very active here at Creekside, and you can talk to Myrna Baird or Tom Baird about that. Um, Many Hands for Haiti has a thrift shop, which you can go and buy things from and to support that ministry. And then Promise for Haiti is the organization that we uh, went down with. And then that deaf school that I was talking about is the Pignon Christian Center for the Deaf. And they have a website online that if you want to donate to help pay for some um, ongoing expenses that the school has, you can do that as well. So that was just a very quick overview of our trip to Haiti. Uh, Thank you for your attention. And I'll turn it over to Kyle. Sorry, Kyle. I kind of ran you over you have your Bibles,
3: you can open up to uh, Hebrews chapter 7. Hebrews chapter 7, I, I felt like I went on that trip. I was on vacation in Miami, and I was in the Atlanta airport, and I got off a tram in the Atlanta airport, and I look over, and I'm like, that looks like my dad. And it was. So, <laughs> did not expect to see that. But, uh, so, I was on the flight back to Des Moines with him. But uh, uh, We're going to be talking today as we finish uh, the last portion of Hebrews 7 here. Uh, we took uh, family vacation, or not family vacation, uh, family pictures recently. And as you're looking through the pictures, I don't know if you're like this, but as you look through pictures, sometimes you see pictures of yourself you like, and sometimes there's pictures you don't like. Anybody been like that before? Yeah, everyone, right? Because you look at pictures, and there's maybe it's the profile, or maybe I think I look fat, or maybe whatever it is, we look at it and we don't like it right and we i think not only do we do this physically and we walk through our lives physically wondering okay how do i look how do i come across to other people uh, all of these things i think that same thing goes on internally with us as well we walk through our lives wondering you know what do people think do do people think i'm loving enough do people think i'm caring enough do people think i'm having an impact on lives around us and and our whole lives is basically this trial that's taking place and I, I, don't, I don't think that's unique for anyone. I, I think as we look through, and even looking through the book of Romans, as you read through Romans, you see that, you know, we always have this, maybe we don't believe in our mind there's a God, but yet within our hearts, we know it to be true. In our hearts, we know we're designed that way. In the same way, we're designed that we're always on this, this trial, there's this trial taking place. And that's why I love the song Dakota and those guys were saying this morning as I looked at it. You say I am loved when I can't feel a thing. You say I am strong when I think I am weak. You say I am held when I am falling short. And when I don't belong, oh, you say I am yours. And you think that. And all of us, you know, we have these thoughts that come into our mind, uh, whether from ourselves or from outside sources, and we're constantly on this trial. Am I good enough? Am I loving enough? Am I caring enough? What do other people think? Because we desire that affirmation. Here's the beautiful thing. In Jesus, we have an advocate. We have an advocate that we know we're loved. We know we're cared for. And this beautiful thing we see this morning is that in Jesus Christ, we have the greatest advocate and the only advocate we will ever need. And so there's this trial that, that continues going on in our minds and our hearts, wondering this question, are we good enough? Are we good enough? Uh, I, I think of an advocate, oftentimes I get to teach uh, real estate classes and for agents that are just starting in the business. And one of the things I'll tell them is like, listen, if you're, and this would be true for any small business, but it, if you want to be successful, you need people who are going to be your advocates. Right, You need people to tell other people just how great you are. Now, no one will do that for me, so I have to do it myself oftentimes, but, but that's what we need. If you, if you want to be successful as a small business owner, you've got to have people that are going to go out and say, you know what, this guy's great. He's great at what he does. You should go work with him and all of these things. We need an advocate for the vitality and health of our business. We need that. And the same thing is true in our life for the health and vitality of my life. I need an advocate. I need people that are going to speak to me. And here's the, here's the great thing. This trial with aunt, that we are on, I have the greatest advocate I could have in Jesus Christ. An advocate in Jesus. I think of the story in Acts chapter 7, the story of Stephen, right? We know this story. And here is Stephen being literally condemned by the world. And yet what's he see? He sees Jesus standing at the right hand of God. The right hand of God. Jesus, the advocate in that moment for Stephen, not only in that moment, but always for Stephen. As he's literally being condemned by the world, he sees this great advocate he has in Jesus. And as believers of Jesus and followers of Jesus, we have this great advocate, this great advocate. So as we look, you can turn your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 7. There's three things I want us to see, three things in Hebrews chapter 7. Now, uh, what the author of Hebrews here is, he, he is draining kind of this last, every last drop out of meaning. Here in the last, we're going to be Hebrews uh, chapter 7, and we're going to go 20 through 28. And he's going to pull out like every last bit, every last drop of meaning from Psalm 110.4. Psalm 110.4 says, The Lord has sworn and will not change his mind. You are a priest forever in the order of Melchizedek. He pulls every last drop out of it. So let's look at Hebrews chapter 7. Hebrews chapter 7, there's three things I want us to see. If you are taking notes, here are the three things. I got my nephew sleeping, and you're you're taking notes on your phone there, Aubrey, right? Okay, so I'm just making sure people are paying attention. I will call you out. So Hebrews chapter 7, three things I want us to see. I want us to see, one, the promise, two, the permanence, and three, the person. The promise, the permanence, and the person. This great priest that we have, this great advocate that we have in Jesus. So here's what we got. Verse 20 through 22, here's the promise that we have. And it was not without an oath. Others became priests without an oath, but he became a priest with an oath when God said to him, the Lord has sworn and will not change his mind. You are a priest forever. Because of this oath, Jesus has become the guarantor of a better covenant. So several times here, right? Four times he says the word oath. He's making a promise. He's having a covenant. So this priest that we have in Jesus is a priest by a covenant, is priest by a promise, is priest by an oath. Now, this is different than the way it was before, See, before, if you go read and you you start in Exodus chapter 28, Exodus chapter 28, God appoints, he instructs Aaron and his sons that they're going to be the priest. And you read Exodus 28 and 29, it's an elaborate description of what's taking place, but nowhere in Exodus 28 and 29 do you see that they are appointed by an oath of God, by a promise, by a covenant. And so the priest, before Jesus here, right, before is by instruction. But with Jesus, he is the priest by an oath and a covenant with God. He is a greatest because it's not just by instruction, but by a covenant. Now, there's significance in the covenant. And if you look in here at the end, the last verse in 22, it says, because of this oath, Jesus has become the guarantor of a better covenant. In the Greek, the last word there is Jesus. And the point of it, that the covenant that we have, that the oath that we have, that the promise we have lies in the person of Jesus. So our priest comes, and the promise we have and the oath we have, that we have this greatest advocate is through an oath, through a covenant with Jesus. And the significance is it's Jesus and his earthly name. And the reason is that, is that the covenant we have is because of the incarnate Jesus, that our covenant of this great advocate and this priest that we have is because of the life that Jesus lived for us. Three things as we think about the promise and the oath through this covenant of this priest that we have. One, it's the incarnation. Why is that important? Well, it's important because we know that Jesus became a man. God became a man. And we have a high priest who can sympathize with what we've gone through. He knows the struggles. He knows the pain. When things aren't going well and we're struggling with something, he knows that. He can sympathize with that. I I think of, uh, of people in life in maybe whatever the struggle or whatever the difficulty in life, and you talk to someone else who's on the other side of it, who's gone through it, right? And maybe it's a family issue or whatever, and you see who they become and who they are on the other side of this. And there's power in that and hearing the story. So as someone who's going through it and talking with someone who's been through the other side of it, man, there's power in that. And for people who've been through this, whatever the circumstance is, to be able to tell and speak truth into someone else who's going through it, there's power in that. And so we have this greatest advocate in Jesus who, guess what? Man, he can sympathize. Why? Because he was a man. And so we have this high priest, we have this great advocate who was a man. He went through it. Trials, tribulations, struggles, pain, all of that, Jesus understands it. And he can sympathize because he knows what we're going through. He was the propitiation, meaning he took on the wrath of God. So not only did he walk through this life and does he know the struggles and the pains and the hurts, but man, he bore it all upon himself. And the wrath of God was poured out on him on the cross. And finally, he ascended. He ascended. And the reason he is our priest and the reason this covenant is through the man, God, Jesus, is because he was incarnate. He became a man. He understands what we've gone through. He can sympathize what, we, what we've gone through. And he took it upon himself, and now he's ascended to, to sit at the right hand of God where he intercedes for us. And so this great promise, this great oath that we have of this this permanent priest is through this covenant, through Jesus. So the first thing we see is this promise, this oath that we have. The second thing, so we have a promise, the second thing, this is going to be verse 23 and 20, where are you going? (laughs) I'm not even halfway through yet. (laughs) Okay, uh, verse 23 through 25. 23 through 25. Now there have been many of those priests since death prevented them from continuing in office. But because Jesus lives forever, he has a permanent priesthood. Therefore, he is able to save completely those who come to God through him. Because he always lives to intercede. He always lives to intercede. We have a permanence in this priesthood. Now, if you'd go back from the time of Aaron, you go back to that Exodus chapter 28, and then you go to the time of Jesus, as, as looking through, there, there's probably two, three hundred priests that had come and gone to the time of Jesus. Okay? Come and gone. And so what we have in Jesus is, verse 24 tells us, since Jesus lives forever, He has a permanence, a once and for all. We have a great advocate. We have a great priest who who has ascended and speaks for us forever, forever. There's a permanence in that. Jesus' priesthood is also unchanging, all right? So we we hear permanence, a great word for this, that it will never end, but it also has the meaning that it's non-transferable, right? You go back to Aaron. And it goes to Eleazar. And then it goes to Phineas. And then it goes to Ferb. And it goes down the list. Not really. Thank you. There's at least a couple people that have kids. And so we see that it goes down this list, right? It's transferred from one to another. With Jesus, he lives forever. It's not transferred to another priest. There's a permanence in it. And you think, uh, you know, how, how old is Creekside now? How many years? Well, I mean, back to the... A hundred and five. So there are many people that have come and gone in a hundred and five years. There's pastors and elders and teachers that have come and gone in a hundred and five years. Some of us have been at other churches, whether it be Olivet or other churches, and there's been pastors and leaders and teachers that have come and gone. You know what? Some of them were good, and some of them we liked, and some were prayer warriors, and some were great teachers, and some were great preachers. But let me tell you what's true for every single one. Now, I, I wouldn't repeat this to Steve, but none of them are perfect, okay? They all have flaws. I mean, you know, it's all relative, but they, all of them, right? Because they're human. And the same way, if you think back to the priests that were there, Aaron, all the way down the list, they all have flaws. Some were great, and some were not. And so with Jesus, we have this perfect, a permanent, a forever priest. There will never be another priest. He will continue on forever interceding, advocating for you and for me. And we think about all the prayers we've ever offered. You know what? He's heard them, and he's not forgotten them. And he's always advocating, always interceding for us. Jesus is superior, and because he is superior, it makes him superior for not only to be our priest, but for salvation as well. Listen to verse 25. Verse 25 says, therefore, he is able to save completely. Absolute, total, and for all time. Completely. I love that. You know, I I often probably too many times get this picture that, you know, God probably has this briefcase and him and Jesus are having this conversation. In his briefcase, he pulls out the file, and here's the Clarkson file. And he looks through, and he's like, yeah, I don't know. He didn't do too well this month. Right? And we get this picture, like, you know, because it's, it's a trial. And so many times I forget that I've been saved completely. That these mistakes that i made, and maybe this month wasn't as good as the last month. No, I've, I've got a permanent priest who has saved me Completely. And we're going to think about the bread and the juice here in a little bit. And remember this great thing that Jesus has done for us, that it's permanent. And he has saved me. What he has done has saved me completely. He always lives to intercede. He's always our advocate. It's absolute, it's total, and it's for all time. And he's always interceding. And he's a perfect and greatest advocate for us, you know. I think of me, and I, I I love my kids, and you probably, if you have kids, love your kids as well. And right, you're probably one of the greatest advocates for your kids, aren't you? Yeah. Other than my dad, who he, he wasn't, he didn't even stay in here to listen. He left for like ten minutes. And so, but as parents, right, we we advocate for our for our kids. My kids, I'm one of their greatest advocates. And I'll pray for my kids, but guess what? Sometimes I'm praying and I'll fall asleep. Anybody been there? <laughs> How great am I, uh, right? My grandparents told me one time, like, Kyle, we, we pray for you daily. Right? It's great to have advocates, but they weren't perfect. They weren't perfect. And so in my advocacy for my kids, and whether i even praying for them and I forget or I fall asleep, I'm not a perfect advocate. But Jesus is. He is a perfect advocate who is always interceding for us. And he intercedes for us when we don't know what to say, right? What we say sometimes is messy, and it maybe doesn't make sense, and we come to him not really knowing what to say. And Jesus intercedes and helps it make sense. I, I think of it like my, my youngest uh, daughter, Emery. She came into uh, the room this morning, and she had this pretty dress on, and she didn't say anything. She just stood there twirling around her pretty dress. And you know what she was looking for? She was looking. Oh, you look so pretty. And she saw. She. I said that. and She had a big smile. Well, she loves to dress up, right? And she loves. She. She calls it looking fancy. She goes, and she'll ask. Can we go to fancy restaurant tonight? Like whoever marries her is gonna be in a world of her. But she. She wants to look fancy. Now. She kind of knows what that looks like, but some morning she'll show up and she's got this pink skirt on and this bright red shirt and, you know, maybe a red necklace or something, and her hair is a mess, and she'll just kind of look there. right? Now, I think it's beautiful, but my wife's not going to let her go out in the house out of the house looking like that. So she might get a shirt that looks a little better and some jewelry that looks a little better, make her hair look a little nicer. And this is kind of the picture so many times, is as we come to God, we come to messy, right? Maybe we have the best intentions. And we come to him, and what we say and what we do doesn't always make sense. But guess what? Jesus intercedes on our behalf. Jesus goes to the Father, and he takes our our messiness and makes it look beautiful. This is what he does. He advocates, and he intercedes on our behalf. So there's the promise, there's the oath, and then there's the permanence that we have. The last thing that we see is the person. A person. And if you look at verse 25, uh, one commentator basically referred to this as a, as a great hymn about our great high priest. Listen to how the author of Hebrews describes this high priest that we have in verse 25. Therefore, he is, uh, verse 26, Such a high priest truly meets our need, one who is holy, blameless, pure set apart from sinners, and exalted above the heavens. There is a superiority in this person. Listen to the words, holy. He's worthy of our complete devotion, blameless, innocent of any wrongdoing. He's pure, like walked this earth, but free of the contamination of this earth, right? This is a messy place. He walked this earth, but yet he's still pure and set apart. And he's exalted high above. And I get that picture of him seated at the right hand of the Father, interceding for us on our behalf. And he can intercede for all of us for all time. And, and it, that's a difficult concept in, in my mind because I'm like, there's so many people who love and follow Jesus. And yet he's always interceding for all of us. Uh, there's a, there was a movie called Bruce Almighty 15 years ago, and the main character, his name is Bruce Nolan, and in the movie, he he basically is challenging and questioning God, and God shows up and said, I'll tell you what, why don't you be God for a little bit? You think it's so easy. And in it, all of a sudden, he starts hearing all these voices of people asking for things, and, he, and then he's talking to God about it, and he's like, you know, what's going on here? I, I, you know, all the people of the world are coming to me. He goes, no, that, that's actually just two blocks in Buffalo, right? And so you get this picture of all at once, everyone, he's interceding on our behalf. And we're, you know, our finite minds are, are, you know, we're constrained by the limits of time. But yet here he is, interceding for all time on our behalf. Isn't that awesome? When the world, you look at the picture of Stephen, the world condemning us. Or even as Dakota was talking about earlier, the, the, the world And all these lies that we hear condemning us. But we have a great advocate who speaks on our behalf. A great advocate who goes to the Father and says, you know what? This Clarkson's okay because I died for him. (laughs) Because I have a relationship with him. Because he is a son. He's a son of yours. Because of the work of Jesus. We're going to take the bread and the juice here. And I want to end with just the final verses here. In Hebrews 7, verses 27 and 28, here's what it says Unlike the other high priest, he does not need to offer sacrifices day after day. Right? Before, the high priest would have to offer sacrifices for the people. Because of their sin, to atone for their sin, they'd have to make sacrifices. But now, because of this great high priest that we have, unlike the other high priest, he does not need to offer sacrifices day after day, first for his own sins because there is no sin in Jesus, and then for the sins of the people. He sacrificed for their sins once for all when he offered himself. For the law appoints as high priest men in their weakness, but the oath, the promise, which came from the law, appointed the Son who has been made perfect forever. He sacrificed for their sins once for all when he offered himself this is our high priest, able to save us completely. And so we take the bread and the juice to remember this great sacrifice once and for all, completely for you and for me. Let's pray. God, we thank you for this great sacrifice. We thank you for our great high priest, Jesus, who has saved us completely, Guys, we take the bread and the juice, just remind us of this great thing that you have done for us. Remind us of this great priest who is our greatest advocate, who sits at the right hand of the Father and intercedes for us, advocates for us. Thank you for him. And God, if we're here this morning and we, we don't know, we don't know Jesus, and we, we, we have not been saved completely that all of our sins are washed away. God, help us to realize who he is and what he's done. Thank you for the finished work on the cross, that it is done, it is finished. We remember you in the bread and the juice, your body that was broken and your blood that was shed. It's in Jesus' name we pray.